This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 68 is here. And before we even get started, I want to take the time to thank last week's guests, Jeff Cohen and Leonard Aberman, the co-hosts of Baseball and Barbecue, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and that's Believe, spelled B-L-E-A-V. First time for me having on two guests at the same time, so I hope you enjoyed that show. We talked Mets baseball, we talked barbecue, it was a special July 4th episode just for all of you Mets fans out there and just for all of you Subway to Shea listeners. You can catch them on Baseball and Barbecue wherever you subscribe and listen to your podcast. Now, on to this week's episode of Subway to Shea, and there are a plethora of topics. So let's start off with, we are officially halfway through the regular season. The Mets are 20 games over 500, 51 and 31, two and a half game lead ahead of the Braves. And I know Met fans, you are panicking a little bit. I try to be the calm one here. I try not to panic too much, but I know there are a lot of Met fans reliving 2021 season and thinking that the Mets are going to blow this, but this is a different season. First off, the Mets are 20 games over 500 in a prime position for a playoff spot. And that's what's most important is to get into the playoffs. And obviously you want to win the division. I want to win the division because that means one less road to take in trying to win a World Series and trying to get to the World Series, trying to win the National League pennant. And we got to remember that the Atlanta Braves won the World Series last year. So we can't expect them to be terrible all season. And they've just gone on a completely amazing run themselves. And the Mets have been able to kind of hold ship with all the injuries they're dealing with, to Scherzer, to Jacob deGrom, and also we lost Chris Bassett for a week. We've lost Tyler McGill and Travis Jankowski. So we have taken some hits to the starting rotation, to the bullpen, to the lineup, all season long. But the Mets have been able to stay 20 games over 500. If you remember last year, I think they were only maybe seven or eight games over 500, and then the injuries just, you know, derailed them. But they've got great leadership in Buck Showalter. They have a great front office, so I know they will get things done this season. Now, how did they remain two and a half games over the Atlanta Braves? This past week, well, the Mets escaped Cincinnati with a series win. And I say escape because they were two outs away from losing this series to the Cincinnati Reds. So the Mets take two out of three from the Reds. They win on Monday 7-4. They lost on Tuesday 1-0. And they won Wednesday 8-3. Now, 
I'm not going to break down every single game, but we're going to take away the most important thing that happened this series. And what was that? Max Scherzer made his return. And it was very important. And you're saying, why? Even though they lost, it's another DeGrom type of game. Yes, true. I mean, he pitched very well in his return from the IL. And obviously, we all know the injury dealing with that strained left oblique since the middle of May. He comes back on Tuesday and he was absolutely dealing. He was dealing all game long. Six innings pitched, two hits, no walks at all, and 11 strikeouts. What more can you say from what we've gotten so far this season from Max Scherzer? So far, he's 5-1. We've talked about this in previous podcasts, but he's 5-1. Brought his ERA down to 2.26. He's got a whip of .88. 70 strikeouts in 55 and two-thirds innings and nine games started this season for the Mets. And what does his return mean to this rotation? Has a lot of implications on and off the field right? Because the Mets have been dealing with so many injuries to the rotation, whether, like I said before, Chris Bassett, Tyler McGill, obviously DeGrom's been out since the beginning of the season. Cookie Carrasco had an injury. Even Taiwan Walker was hurt during the beginning of the season. So the Mets were throwing out Thomas Zipuki, who only got one start and probably won't get another one unless things desperately take a turn for the worse. But David Peterson has held down the fort, had a not so great game in his return uh, from paternity leave, but the Mets ended up winning the game, gave up, I think it was three runs and only three and two thirds innings pitched for David Peterson, but he's having quite the season. He has a 3.48 ERA and he has done an admirable job starting. Trevor Williams also had to fill in. Hasn't been great starting, but has been great out of the bullpen. And that's where you what you want. You want to get... Trevor Williams back into the bullpen so that he can be the long man that the Mets need. By no means is this team going to take it to the next level and get too deep up of a playoff run if Trevor Williams is your number five starter. I'm sorry, but I'm being honest. It could possibly work with David Peterson, but I don't want that either. You want to have Jake, you want to have Max, Cookie, Taiwan Walker, and Chris Bassett. And I'm not saying it in any particular order. But you want those guys to be the rotation. Or maybe they make a trade for a starter later on. Honestly, I would probably make a trade to be on the safe side. Because you never know with injuries. You never know if Jacob deGrom is going to be 100% coming back. You never know if Max Scherzer, you know, at the age he is, he might possibly get hurt again. You don't want to hope for that. But it's a possibility. So you got to be prepared. But getting Trevor Williams back in the bullpen, maybe even getting David Peterson in the bullpen as the lefty, and we'll get more into what's going on with the left-handed pitcher situation out of the bullpen later on. But if you can get David Peterson out of the bullpen, that could be helpful as well. But once Scherzer came back, and once Bassett comes back against the Marlins, you're going to have Scherzer, Bassett, Cookie, Walker, and Peterson as the rotation. You move Trevor Williams back to the bullpen. That will help out there. The bullpen could probably get a little more rest with these guys starting in the rotation and giving innings, something that you didn't get in 2021. Maybe they won't be as taxed as they've been as of late. And we all know what Scherzer adds in the clubhouse, on the bench, off the field, the leadership, that teacher mentality. 
We always see him, you know, talking things over with David Peterson in the dugout, with Tyler McGill in the dugout. He's here to help in more ways than one. So Scherzer is a very important piece to this team moving forward. And they were able to hold Fort while he was gone. They had a winning record while he was gone. But now they need him more than ever. Like I said, they're only two and a half games above the Braves. And they got a big series coming up against the Marlins, a big series coming up against the Braves in Atlanta. Gonna need Scherzer. And the Mets are gonna roll with the rotation I just spoke of at least until the end of July when Jacob deGrom returns. And why do I say that? Because Jacob deGrom is rehabbing right now. He's had a rehab start. He's gonna have another one coming up. His first rehab start for the St. Lucie Mets against the Jupiter Hammerheads. One and two-thirds innings pitched, 5Ks, 24 pitches, 18 of those pitches were strikes. He hit a batter, but that was it. Struck out the side in the first. He hit 100 miles per hour with his first three pitches. And he totaled six of those pitches out of the 24 were over 100. And here's what DeGrom had to say following his start. He goes, I felt like I had control of everything. The main thing was trying to locate the fastball and pitch off that. Everything felt good. He goes on to say, my shoulder feels 100% because it was a bone issue. You can't really push it. I had to wait until the bone was healed and move forward from there. Now, on Twitter, I was asked if I was worried about him throwing 100 mile per hour in his first rehab start against those single A batters. Now, last year and this past offseason, I would have said yes immediately. But I have to keep reminding myself that I have never thrown a pitch in my life. And I don't know how a pitcher can just turn on and turn off speed of his pitchers, especially the fastball, right? Obviously, you can go from throwing a fastball to throwing a slow changeup or the differential speeds from your slider and your curveball. There's a science behind that all. And I don't know if, you know, does it mess with DeGrom's mechanics if he does that? Does it turn him into a different pitcher if he turns it down? Maybe he only knows one way. Maybe it's 100 right now and nothing else on the fastball. If he wants to turn it down, I guess he can throw some off-speed pitches. But that fastball might be 100 or bust for him. So who knows? I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing with his body. Obviously, he's been injured a couple of times over the past two seasons. A couple of those times were from hitting. I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing with his body. And he's got to trust what he knows what he's doing with his body because he is opting out this offseason. So he's taking a big gamble on himself. And speaking of that, one thing that has been bothering me with DeGrom's rehab has been the constant talk about DeGrom leaving New York in the offseason. Can he pitch a major league game before these speculations begin? Can we get him on the field at City Field before we start talking about if he's going to stay or if he's going to go? Can we save that until, you know, the end of September into October when either the Mets are far into the postseason or the season's over for them? Can we wait until then? Why do we have to speculate this now? And I know the media pundits out there are doing this for click, trying to get clickbait. You know, you got Andy Martino and John Heyman. I think Joel Sherman was in on it. Buster Olney have been discussing this during the entire week, talking about Jake signing close to home and possibly going to Atlanta. I think even Buster 
on the eve of his first rehab start, came out with this. You know, Buster mentions that there's a perception in some corners of the industry that the Braves could be the favorites to land Jacob deGrom. My thing is, how would he know this? How would he know? How would they all know this when they also claim that Jacob deGrom is so guarded and private when it comes to the media? Why would Jacob tell them this? And I know a lot of this has to stem from the talk that, you know, Jacob was not happy about being underpaid by the Mets with his first big contract. Well, you know what? That contract was under the Wilpon Brody Van Wagenen regime. Brody was his agent who became the general manager at the time. This is not the Cohen regime. You can't possibly tell me that he's holding this grudge against the Mets during a time where the front office was entirely different, where the front office and the owner does not have the money that this front office and this owner has. And this owner has more money than a lot of these franchises that are owned by other teams. Heck, they have more money than the Yankees. If Jake didn't like that contract, he shouldn't have accepted it and tested free agency then. Just being honest. Times are different now. The front office is different now. I believe Steve Cohen will do whatever it takes to bring him back. If you remember, Steve talked about his favorite player being Tom Seaver and how upset he was when he was a younger fan and he didn't like how he left New York. I don't see that happening again. Not with the type of pitcher and player Jacob deGrom is. Of course, anything is possible. But right now, I have to have faith that they will come to terms of a deal in the offseason. I think we should all gotta have faith. Now, does DeGrom want to continue to be a part of what Uncle Steve and this front office is trying to put together? They're getting really close to building a consistent winner. And they're getting really close to adding some much-needed youngsters to this team. And I say that because Francisco Alvarez has been promoted to AAA. Congratulations to Francisco Alvarez being promoted to AAA Syracuse on July 4th. In his first game, he had an RBI single, a walk, and he threw a runner stealing second in a 4-3 victory over Buffalo. If we look at his stats, and Francisco Alvarez in the minor leagues has been something else for the New York Mets. You look at his double, let's go from um single a when he was playing in brooklyn 22 home runs 58 rbis 247 batting average we move up to double a most of this season and i think a little part of last season 18 home runs 47 rbis he's batting 277 it's got 36 walks an on-base percentage of 368 slugging of 553 and an ops of 922 on top of Francisco Alvarez being promoted to AAA. According to Anthony DiComo, Alvarez will also represent the Mets in the Futures game in LA for All-Star Week. It's been a good week for Francisco Alvarez, and even on top of that, even a bigger thing than that, Alvarez was named the number two prospect in all of Major League Baseball, and I looked at the top 100 prospects and also the Mets prospect list. Only Riley Green who is an outfielder for the Detroit Tigers, is above him on the prospect rankings. And I'm a little surprised he's in the majors right now. So wouldn't that make Francisco Alvarez the number one prospect in all of baseball? I don't know how that works with the prospects, but Francisco Alvarez officially the number two prospect in the ranking system. You know, you look at the top prospects 
in the Mets ranking. We don't really talk prospects as much here. I don't know as much. I know I had Joe DeMeo on. I'll probably have him on again, try to get Jacob Resnick on as we get closer to the draft. But Francisco Alvarez, the number one prospect for the Mets. Then you go Brett Beatty at number two, Ronnie Mauricio, number three, Alex Ramirez, who's in single A. He is number four. And Mark Vientos filling it out at Triple A with the number five prospect for the New York Mets. The big question will he or won't he come up this season? Possibility could go either way. Um, I think it depends on the trade deadline and if they get a bat by then. Because if you're bringing up Francisco Alvarez, he's probably going to be your DH. I don't know how much catching he's going to get. He would have to learn that rotation real quick. And I don't know if you want that during the playoff push. So he could possibly just be coming up to DH. You want his bat in the lineup. I don't know if this late in the season, taking away the catching duties from McCann and Tomas Nito, who know the rotation, know the bullpen, I don't know if that's the right move at this moment. And it all depends, like I said, on the trade deadline. If they get a bat, if they get a DH, someone with power, maybe not bringing up Alvarez is such a terrible move. Maybe leaving him down there. Maybe calling him up in September so he could get a little taste of what is to come for his future. Obviously, James McCann and Tomas Nito have really provided not that much offensively for the Mets. Tomas Nito's batting 215, zero home runs. He's got 14 RBIs. He's been a little clutch with the runners in scoring position and I think two outs, but not much. James McCann... Had a big hit against the Cincinnati Reds in that comeback in the 10th inning. He only has eight RBIs. He's got one home run, batting 182. So offensively, you would think that Francisco Alvarez will probably be better than both McCann and Nito. But I don't know too much about his defense. Obviously, he threw a runner out at second in his first game. How does he call a game? That's a big thing, too, and that's something that James McCann and Tomas Nito have been doing so well. You saw the struggles once McCann went down and they brought up Patrick Mazika that this rotation and this bullpen had with just going to Nito and Mazika. And then you bring back McCann, and the pitching staff is doing a whole lot better. So I don't know if Francisco Alvarez will be coming up anytime soon. Definitely not before the All-Star break. And I don't think he'll be coming up before we find out what happens at the trade deadline. Someone who has a great chance of coming up this year, and we just mentioned him earlier, was Mark Vientos. I think if anyone gets an opportunity to come up here, it would be him. He has been just killing it down in AAA as of late. This season, he has 15 home runs, 40 RBIs, and is batting 256 with an OBP of 345 and an OPS of 852. And to start, to start off July, two home runs, five RBIs, and he's batting 320. Something that he has to limit, though, is the strikeouts. He does strike out a ton, at least a little over 23 strikeouts per month. But if he can limit that, he may be the first option when it's time to bring someone in to play DH. And if J.D. Davis and Dom Smith continue to struggle, then maybe it's time for Vientos. Now, Dom Smith has had a pretty good week, kind of turned it around a little bit. But you look at what both of them provide. And if J.D. Davis, who's batting 240, two home runs, 14 RBIs, he's got 56 strikeouts, which is tough. But 
if he's not providing power for this offense, and you can say exit velocity and all that stuff, but if he's not getting on base, if he's not driving in runs, then the exit velocity of him getting an out means nothing. Definitely means nothing to me. He could hit it hard all he wants, but if he is not hitting power, if he's not hitting home runs or doubles, if he's not driving in runs, what is the purpose of having him on this team? Because he doesn't really have a position. They tried him out at first, okay, but Dom Smith plays first. And Dom Smith right now, batting 221, has no home runs, 17 RBIs, 30 strikeouts. But the thing with Dom Smith, like I said, you know, he's been hitting a lot better since being recalled, you know? He's had a doubles here and there, game-winning hit against the Reds in the finale. You look at his stats over the last 7 to 15 games. Dom Smith, in his last 7 games, is batting 333. In his last 15 games, 282. So it seems like he's turning it around. Now, could we be seeing Dom play like this and the Mets using him as trade bait? Possibly. Could also be using Mark Vientos as trade bait. Maybe that's why Vientos isn't up here yet. Maybe they don't want to devalue Vientos if he struggles up here. You leave him down in the minors, you let him rake, and he could be trade bait. Could use him and keep your other prospects that kind of mostly have been deemed untouchable. Alvarez, obviously, possibly a Beatty. I don't know where the Mets stand on Mauricio, but if Vientos continues to rake, maybe you can use him to get a DH or a starting pitcher. Maybe he could be a part of a package. Same thing goes for Dom. If he starts hitting, his value is through the roof, and you gotta strike while the iron's hot. I feel like we will have a clear picture on Vientos before we do with Francisco Alvarez. And all that depends on the trade deadline as well. All connected. Everything is connected this season. So that's why when, you know, Met fans want things to happen right away, they want them to happen now. And I understand it because, you know, the Mets have kind of been struggling. They're still 20 games over 500, but the lead in the NL East has dwindled. But I think patience, especially right now, is key because... Everything is connected. Everything is created in this puzzle that the Mets are putting together. And the, I feel like the roster is not done yet. Things will happen. Give it time. Now, my final notes before this train leaves the station. We talked about the left-handed pitching and putting David Peterson in the bullpen. And why did I mention that? Well, and that is contingent on all of the starting pitchers coming back. Because if they don't, David Peterson's in the rotation. But Chase and Shreve was designated for assignment this week. He had an awful season and an awful last 7 to 15 games. Was 1-1 one one with a 6.49 ERA. The Mets were hoping for lightning in a bottle when they signed him. His stats show that he was pretty decent. Look at his career stats. 21-12 with a 3.87 ERA. He just didn't have it this season. Last 7 games, 11 ERA. Gave up 10 earned runs. In 15 games, gave up 17 earned runs. He just wasn't making his appearances count. He wasn't delivering. And it's crazy to think that the Mets' most reliable left-hander out of the two was Joely Rodriguez. And he has pitched a whole lot better as of late. But he should not be the only lefty in that bullpen. They need another one. Whether it's putting David Peterson in, whether it's bringing someone up from the minors, or whether it's making a trade, which I hope they do. You got the Andrew Chaffins of the world out there. Heck, I wouldn't even be opposed to 
trying to trade back and bring back Aaron Loop. That Angels team has hit freefall and is struggling. Bringing back Aaron Loop may not be the worst thing ever. And that's, you know, contingent on what the trade package is. But there are options out there. The Met front office is showing that they are willing to move on from the underperformers. Chase and Shreve, Robinson Cano. This ain't the Wilpon-led Mets anymore. I need you guys to remember this. This is not the Wilpon-led Mets anymore. Let's all say it together. This ain't the Wilpon-led Mets anymore. Have a little faith in what Steve Cohen and the front office is going to do this season and what they've done so far. Coming up this weekend, Keith Hernandez's number retirement. I'm going to be in attendance there. If you see me, come say hello. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a fun day. Saturday, before the Mets game against the Marlins, the Mets tweeted out to take public transportation. I think they're opening the doors at around 2 p.m., 2.10. They want you to be in your seats by 3.30 on Saturday for the Keith Hernandez retirement ceremony. And you got to look at Keith Hernandez's career. MVP, five-time All-Star, two-time world champion, obviously won the championship with the St. Louis Cardinals earlier on in his career, 11-time Gold Glover, two-time Silver Slugger, and he won a batting title. But with the Mets, seven years with the New York Mets, 80 home runs, 468 RBIs, stole only 17 bases, 471 walks, a 297 batting average, an on-base percentage of 387, slugging a 429, and an OPS of 816. Keith Hernandez, one of the most important things to happen to the Mets in the 1980s, came captain, became co-captain with uh, Gary Carter, helped led the Mets to the 1986 World Series, and what a what a year that was for the New York Mets, the last time that they won a World Series. Also, part of the legendary broadcast team with Gary Cohen and Ron Darling. Keith finally getting his due, having his number retired, and it's nice to see the Mets, Cohen, honoring these legends that have come through Queens And it's going to be an exciting time Saturday. I hope to see you out there. If you see me, come say hello and um, enjoy. Enjoy this awesome time for the Mets. Now, also, one more thing. Alonzo, Starling Marte going to the All-Star Game. They were All-Star Game starter finalists. You can still vote for them to start in the All-Star Game. And please do that so that we can see either Pete or Starling or both starting. Who else should go to the All-Star game for the Mets? And it's only going to probably be from the pitching, but I think Taiwan Walker's an All-Star. I really do. And even though Max Scherzer got hurt, what he's given the Mets so far has been All-Star status. So maybe he also can go to the All-Star game as well. But we'll see. Make sure you're voting. Get it out there that Pete Alonso and Starling Marte should start the All-Star game and play first base and out field respectively and that right there my friends will do it for this week's episode of subway to shay as we wrap up here please make sure to follow subway to shay on twitter and instagram at subway to shay listen to the show on anchor.fm apple podcasts spotify 
Google Podcast and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I just mentioned. And make sure to share this podcast with your fellow Met fans, your fellow Met fans, your Met family, whoever enjoys the Mets, whoever enjoys baseball, make sure to share this podcast and let them know this is the Mets podcast to listen to. If you've been a supporter this whole entire time, from the beginning, I can't thank you enough. This show is not where it is today without your support. Because of that support, this podcast is global. Subway to Shea is not only played in the United States, but also has reaches across the globe. And no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So go on Apple Podcasts, rate the show from one to five stars. Hopefully you're giving me five stars and leave comment in the review section. You can also rate the show on Spotify. That's another option you can do. Don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan sided network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the fan sided network at Fan Sided. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you all all and that will do it for this week's episode always remember to listen subscribe share and review for anthony rivera you've been listening to subway to shea let's go mets <laughs>